We all know that the CB750 was the first UJM and the first affordable production bike with disc brakes. Everyone remembers that the 750 Norton was affectionately called the Harley Killer for a reason as well. But does anyone remember the Spanish word for suitcase? <laughs> exactly. And like a word whose meaning we forget because we haven't had a purpose for its use in some time, vague memories and feelings of nostalgia can quickly overwrite hard realities. Truth can be forgotten, crushed like a taint on a rock-hard factory seat on a thousand-mile trip, and the expectations of nostalgia and the reality of being practical, they can't coexist. But what happens when we try? That and more on this week's episode of Creative Writing. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the podcast that's like that missing 10 millimeter, but you kind of wish you never found it. Somehow you did, and like our supporters on Patreon, you too can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. While you're at it, head over to our Zazzle store and check out our merch there by searching Creative Writing Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else except for TikTok and Ding Dong, because we ain't going to go there, but on Twitter we are. And Tumblr, thanks, bye. Welcome to Creative Writing, the best podcast you're listening to right now. Unless, of course, you have two devices running and you're listening to two podcasts simultaneously. In which case, the other one is probably better. Yo, it could be better. Blast from the past. Tobor, what do you think of that? I want to blast a cat. Okay, well... That almost rhymed. We could be a rap a rap duo. Uh, so, hey, listen. Welcome, everybody, to episode 228. Tober, were you playing with the levels while we were just at the uh, intro, the break there? Looks like my... Woo, looks like I'm coming in loud and clear now. Uh, hey, Tobor, are you... Whoa, over there on the soundboard. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, I really have to say thank you for uh, taking over, actually, on the sound, sound effects. Um... Did those even come across on? Yeah, okay, I guess they did. Um, yeah, I'm really stoked that you are you are doing the effects and that you've taken that stuff over because um, it's a little bit hard for me to run the show and have the effects on. Wow, now it's on coming on your mic. Wow. So anyway, enough behind the scenes, everybody. Um, God, Tober, you got this little glow about you. Is it because we? Well, okay, two things happened, everybody. Uh, we went to negotiations with um, Moto One Podcast Network. I sent Tobor in my stead. We went to, um, you know, the big wigs there. What did they say, by the way? They said I was better at negotiating than you. Really? Okay. So now we're on Sundays. I don't understand it. Anyway, we're having a little bit of a phase shift. They're trying to uh, figure some stuff out, and we are... Shifting to Sundays. Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't really care. I just. Um, I was questioning. You know, Fridays was good for me. Uh, I felt like we could get some current events and all that stuff listed, and if people got them in all week, you know, we could tell them by Friday. Hey, look out for this coming tomorrow. Blah blah blah. What what events start on a um, like a Monday? Like none that I can think of, but the work week. Um, and I guess that might be their strategy. Tober, what's floating in my Prosecco? 
Ew, is that a slime mold? What is that? Whatever it is, I'm going to drink it. It's not going to kill me. Let me take a sip. Mmm. Oh my God, that is so good. So I'm enjoying a fresh Prosecco. It is Sunday. Welcome to Sunday, everybody. I hope you're not doing anything. Um, I don't know why we're on Sunday, or, you know, I don't know what they expected by putting us on Sundays. What, yeah, what is it, Tobar? Car Talk was on Sundays. So are many popular morning shows and home shopping network or evangelical telecasts. <laughs> okay. Well, we're not home shopping network. That's for sure. We are not an ev- evangelical show either. So um, like my big guess is just that they were shifting us to Sundays uh, in order to free up Friday for uh, a couple of the shows on the network. I have no idea. Um, and possibly to... Um, I don't know. I'm thinking that they want people to have something to look forward to on a weekend where you're just chilling, you're out in the garage, you're playing us then rather than Friday night when you're out partying. I have no idea, dude. I, Since I'm a parent, I have no nightlife anyways, so I'm home Sundays and Fridays. Um, I actually won't be able to do this on Sundays as soon as things uh, kind of go back to normal and start starting up again. Pardon me. So um, like with, if soccer or anything like that starts to happen and there's a lot of stuff that you know I'm out of town sometimes on Sundays so I know we record the show prior to so I mean I guess it doesn't really matter but if we're gonna do like a live show like they suggested too it might what's that squeaking is that our bat in here oh it's my chair god dang not only did they kick us to Sundays they gave me a squeaky chair um so yeah you know car talk was on Sundays and that's cool um you know we had to do operate operation cricket smash before we started recording tonight and then now, I don't know if you guys can hear that. These mics are pretty good in, in the studio. But uh, if we have to do Operation Bat Hack, uh, I'll be very upset. And I've got one ear cocked because we are alone due to social distancing. I got you to a war, but that's about it. Um, <clears throat> despite that hand of yours and the fact that we have a shotgun here in the uh, studio to, bl- to blast things with um, for Word of the Week... I don't feel safe right now recording in here all alone. There's nobody else in here due to coronavirus. We can't have other people in the studio. Uh, not that we needed it. I mean, host and produ- production was always my jam anyway. Um, but yeah, just wanted to mention that. Um, listen, we're going to be happening on Sundays for a while. I guess they uh, want us to... Excuse me. I guess they want us to update the show schedule a little bit. They gave me a new outline to follow. And so, uh, do you guys want a little behind the scenes? I guess this is roughly what we're going to be doing right now. I'm telling you my, what's been happening. And you might notice that the, the beginning of the show is a little bit different. They want us to have like a talking point before the beginning of the show, a topic that we're going to reference in act three. (laughs) I don't know. I just, uh, I call it act three, but they do have it listed down here. So yeah. I'm going to give you a little taste of what we're going to be talking about. We're also going to get to some news and current uh, show events. Um, We're going to do a little like off topic where, or it's going to be a segment called off track. It's a new segment that we're going to start on this episode. And um, it's kind of where we are allowed to go off track and off motorcycle topic, discuss anything that we find interesting uh, or cool or historic or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like we could talk about, 
uh, I don't know, the propagation of mold across the surface of a piece of bread. I have no idea. Or we could talk about uh, submarines or Henry Kaiser and how he started out building ships, but now Kaiser Permanente is a healthcare company. Um, so we could, it could go anywhere. So that's our, our, our off track. Um, we're going to do junkies tips, which is where I give you a random tip as well. But most of that's going to be just because to keep you a viable part of our motorcycle community. I probably, I promise I won't give you tips on frosting your tips or tips on, um, I don't know, cook and try tip or something like that. It, it will definitely be uh, motorcycle related and it may be you related, like health related or something like that, but it will be, be because you are uh, the rider that we care about. So uh, on this week's show, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but also I just thought about this, Tobes. You know, this is, we are going into our, let me see, the show started in 2015. So 2015 to 16 to 17 to 18 to 19 to 20. This will be, we'll be going into our sixth year, 15 to 16 to 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, I guess we'll be starting, will we be starting our fifth or sixth year? Uh, I think we're going to be ending our uh, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, I guess we'll be ending our fifth year this year. Uh, and it's like this month. Now, technically, our very first year of the show, you like how I had to count like years on my fingers and everything? I'm trying to figure out like, is a year uh, January 1st to December 30th? That's a, that is like a very literal definition of a year. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Anyway, yeah, so we will um, – but I'm just saying like uh, January 1st to June isn't the first year, right? Like we're counting years ended. So I guess we're ending our fifth year or starting our fifth year. Uh, 19 to 20, yeah. So we will be going into year number six. Uh, and I think we started in the mid – middle of August, which is coming up. I mean, this is August guys. We are, I forgot to say happy August. We were in the first, uh, first month or first month of August. God damn. What is wrong with me? We are, uh, in the first week of August, the first couple days here, depending on what day you're listening to this. Now we're recording this on, uh, the first, um, and this is going out on the second. So first, uh, couple days of August, Welcome to August. How's it going so far for us? It's, you know, whatever. I'm enjoying this Prosecco. It is hot as all get out. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrice isn't here for some reason, but Tobo, are all these metal shavings all over the place. I'm assuming that you are overheating. You need some lubrication, even though there's a ton of lube last week all over everything and there's a bunch of dielectric grease and assembly lube all over i don't know or what these metal shavings are but i'm assuming that it's hot for you too i can tell you what buddy it is a blaster right now i'm sweating and it's uh it's the evening it's been just hot all day um i'm actually gonna go for a ride i think in the morning tomorrow um, just so that it is nice and cool when I do it, just because no more of this afternoon ride stuff, man. After uh, coming back from the desert the, uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was like 111 or something like that, uh, no more of that, man. No more of that. And even even slabbing it from you know from place to place, I would not want to do that anymore. I would probably ride through desert areas at night again like I did 
a few weeks ago. So I'm going to get up early and go or go late in the afternoon. Most people don't like afternoon rides, neither do I. I'm downing water, not as much as I was a couple weeks ago, but I need to down more. Um, And it's going down so easy because it's so hot. I actually just finished a nice cold glass of Prosecco and Tobor. You and I at the break might pause and go get some more. Um, Everybody, I just want to call and tell you, I love you. All right. That's not what I wanted to say. I did want to give you our, uh, where is our disclaimer? Here it is, our disclaimer, because I'm supposed to give you that at the beginning of every show. So, hey, this week's disclaimer, why is it so far down? Why didn't we put it right here where at the top of the show? Anyway, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, the position, the opinions of Creative Writing, Moto One Podcast, the old lady next door, the Fleischmans, which I made fun of. It was a totally fictional family, but I still made fun of a, a, a weird family named the Fleischmans last week. Any of our affiliates, future, past, present guest sponsors, you get the idea. Anybody but the person that says it. Any opinion is the respect of participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even uh, uh, Can-Am MX250 owners. Is that the one that was like won the best bike of 1979, but it turned out to be a piece of crap? I can't remember. Um, Yeah, I need to put this up here. Anyways, so I would like to tell you uh, that this week, um, we have some cool stuff coming up next week. I want to try something out different every, every week. I think I'm going to do that for the main topic. They don't, we don't have roast my bike anymore, but I do want to, um, roast some bikes. It'll be, uh, less roast my bike and more of, uh, what's it called? Smart bike, bad bike, whatever you want to call it. So anyway, uh, so yeah, let's get to the word of the week right out of the gate. Tobor, what is the word of the week this week? And keep in mind that, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. The word of the week this week is flat. Oh, excuse me. All right. So the word of the week this week is flat. I can say flat right now. Flat, 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 flat. And I'll say flat backwards. Flat, flat, flat. Anyway, um, so I can say it right now because we haven't rang our little bell. It's over here on our Royal Enfield, I'm sorry, uh, Tri- Triumph Rocket 3 2,300 cc's. The only bigger bike, and it's not even a production bike, was probably the uh, the Tomahawk, which used a Viper V10 motor. And uh, depending on the displacement of that thing versus the Boss Haas V8s and the Turbo Cat, uh, which also used a V8, um, probably a 454. The only the biggest production motor right now, I believe, is this Rocket 3. And here is the bell on that Rocket 3, which is going to make this week's Word of the Week official. Tobor, will you do me the favor and give me a drum roll and then ding the bell? The Word of the Week this week is... Flat. All right, there you go. Ooh, nice bell on that bike, by the way. Um, so yeah, flat is the Word of the Week. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, and that's how you fail. All right. God damn it. <laughs> Tobor. Oh, thank you, sir. God, what an idiot. Oh my God. I'm such an idiot. Oh God. It's time to face the truth. Yes. And it is. I am an idiot. 
So Tobor, what do you want to do this week? Uh, what do we got over there in the basket? <laughs> I want to blast a cat. I know, but what do we got in the basket? We ran out of cats. We have no more basket full of cats. We we pulled a pure liquidation on the what was left. Um, we putri- they were putrefying and putrefaction had set in on the pure pureed remains. We had putrefied the pureed. I almost said pureled. Can I purel you in the blender? Um, yeah, we had putrefied the pureed remains of these cats, which we had pureed with the um, a Benelli shotgun. We like Benelli motorcycles. We figured why not get a Benelli shotgun. No Mossbergs or anything like that, or Walmart specials. We're, we'll get our Benelli. Um, at any rate, we don't have any more cats. And when you say the word of the week, we have to shoot something. Wiggins didn't like saying stuff in a pirate or surfer accent or doing... Uh, yes, I know I lost the word of the week. Uh, or doing anything else. So now when we say the word of the week, we shoot something. We don't have any more cats to shoot. So Tobor, you got one in the chamber? What, uh, what did you bring this week? God dang, quit pushing... Ah, oh, Tobor! Please. Please. Um... So, yeah, what do we got this week? All right. Well, you got one in the chamber. That must mean we have something to shoot. And it's I bought a-, a sugar glider from a store in Las Vegas. A sugar glider? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, a sugar glider? Yay. Yay. We have to shoot a sugar glider? Do we just have one? We got one thing? That's it. That's all we have? Yeah, he's shaking his head yes. All right, well... I know you want to blast a cat, but let's go ahead and blast the sugar glider. Ready? Three, two, one. I said the word of the week, and the, and I said flat. Now I'm an idiot, and, and now the sugar glider has to play with his life. And Tobor, no, just put him down. We don't have to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God, the thing disintegrated. It was so tiny and small. Um, yes, that's what she said. Oh, Tobor, you're so funny. He didn't, you guys didn't hear. He didn't, he was being very nice to me. He didn't say it audibly, but he did have it on his, uh, on his speed control center there, right in the center of his chest where it displays what he's saying and thinking. Nice. Thanks, bud. Uh, anyway, listen, on this week's show, we're going to give you a quick update and you know what? Let's not make it like two hours long. If we're going to be on, on Sundays, people have things to do before they get back to work Monday. You know what I'm saying? So let's just give a quick update. Let's make these topics quick. Um, I should be able to blast through these. Another thing is they wanted me to make a script for this stuff. So it's not like I made a script script, but I did write some things down. Um, So first things first, yo, the Junkmeister has just spent a little chunk of change. And my little chunk of change was on, I've got into casting recently. I love making stuff out of fiberglass. Um, It's really fun. You can make big stuff for motorcycles, big stuff for, hell, cars, the side of your house. Depends on how big your template and your how much fiberglass you have is really. So I love making stuff out of fiberglass. I recently got into this YouTube channel and my kids hate me now because I watch it incessantly and it's not Joey Mac 420, even though I love Joey Mac 420. Um, if you haven't gone to Joey Mac 420's channel before, uh, it's, it's going to be way long time ago right now, but he, um, showed you how to put apples in your tires if you don't have inner tubes. The thing is you have to take like 20 or 30 apples with you and uh, be able to stuff them into your tire. And then when he does the, I'm not going to ruin it because I want you to go 
patronize his channel, but the, the apple tire challenge, he didn't have a tube and he put apples in there and green apples and red apples. He found out have a different, uh, uh, you know, squish properties. So it's kind of like using different, uh, firmnesses of a moose on your off-road tire. So he did the apple challenge. He put apples in his tires instead of an inner tube. But the thing is you got to have backpack space to be able to carry, I'm going to say it was like 20-something apples. So you might just be better off carrying a tube. I don't know. But you watch the video. You decide for yourself. But anyway, just Joey Back 420 does all that fun stuff. He also goes racing on indoor RC car, or RC car tracks, which I think is just hilarious because I know how uh, sacred the RC crowd. They're such a niche crowd. I know how beloved their tracks are to them. And I just love seeing people shred dirt bikes and even a Honda Odyssey on them. Uh, not Odyssey. What was the, uh, is that what they were called? The stupid uh, four-wheeler from back in the day. I want to say it was called something like that. And now Odyssey is a minivan. I swear that's what they were called was the Odyssey. Anyway, uh, it's one of the little Honda four, uh, little four-wheel doom buggies. It was basically like a, a big red motor on a, and big red tires. That was your, uh, your tires was your suspension. And so this thing's like a rigid, it was, it killed people. I think it snapped people's spines in half, but anyway, you know how beloved the, uh, remote control car community is. And to see them riding these things on a remote control car track just made my day. Um, long story short, I almost forgot who I was talking about, but I'm going to tell you in a second. So I've been getting into crafting and I haven't been watching Joey Mac 420 on YouTube because he doesn't craft, but I have been watching this guy called The Craves Man on Steady Crafting. Now, if you go to steadycrafting.com, you're going to learn, a, or not .com, uh, .youtube .com .youtube slash org period TV hypercolon. Uh, yeah, you get the picture. So Steady Crafting is uh, hosted by another guy who doesn't show up on camera. That's the one reason I haven't gotten a video yet. I don't show up on crafting or on, on a camera. And so neither does the host of Steady Crafting. He's resorted to using a puppet. And uh, maybe that's what I should do. A puppet, a cardboard box with a face painted on it would be a good facsimile of me. Uh, I'm just a crusty old uh, square-headed bastard. But, uh, yeah, I really like Steady Crafting. It got me into uh, a project for my wife, and she loved it, and she finds it relaxing. It's called Needle Felting, and I wouldn't have seen it had I not gone to his uh, YouTube channel. Now that I'm there, I love casting things. Like I said before, I've made some stuff. I like I like making stuff. You know, we we talk about that. That's like kind of part of what creative writing is, is being creative in whatever you do, metal work, on your motorcycle, or on canvas. It don't matter to me. But I do like making stuff. I got I to gotta say that. And I almost like working with my hands better than like my uh, sitting down and like, I don't know, reading a book all day on something. I would much rather sit down and draw something that I want, sketch it out, make a little blueprint for it, figure it out, make it, and then see it in action, right? So that's what I love about Steady Crafting. His videos are pretty short and they are all over the place. And I feel like the craft man, craft man is a kindred spirit of sorts. So I have taken on uh, crafting little things. Now, like I said, I really like mold making and I like fiberglass. I'm really like not that good at it, but I've done enough to know how to make stuff that I want. 
and get stuff to to work, okay? So um, a lot of the old stuff I used to make for Spamala, um, and in San Diego I made some stuff for my friends, uh, Honda, and I just made some generic stuff that would fit a lot of seats out of fiberglass, and that's how I learned it. I just got some, started messing around with it. So one of the guys at my work gave it to me, and one of my other buddies that I used to be really into Volkswagens with was making parts and selling them back on eBay, I think, in the day, or taking just like regular phone orders. This is before like uh, almost all, well, before any social media and also before really like any, like Craigslist, if it was around, I don't even know if it was around, uh, you know, then, but if it was, it was really, really local. Um, So this is more like word of mouth and like, you know, that's kind of how things were back before the internet was really huge. Um, So yeah, and then when the internet did come out, all people did was look at porn on it. So, I mean, it took a long time for that, for like businesses and stuff to, and people be able to set up personal websites to, um, peddle their goods. I have to take these off. These headphones are killing me. I am so hot. I guess I need them to hear my, yep. Okay. I'll leave them on. Yeah. Tobor's pointing to his head. Tobor, you don't even have, you just, you're like, have that cord plugged into you. So whatever. Anyway, let's get through this segment, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'll keep them on. Um, so yeah, so crafting. Um, yeah, he got me into fiberglass. He used to make stuff, and like I said, word of mouth um, only, and he would still sell a pretty... The whole reason I brought that part up, no no internet and this and that, is because that's how things were back in the day. And even with no internet, he was making uh, a pretty good... Uh, I don't know, like had a pretty good little network going where he could sell his stuff like people on... Uh, Etsy and Big Cartel and um, Shopify and all that great stuff and then their own personal websites with all these awesome uh, checkout options and usually PayPal and all that stuff. None of that stuff was around. So this dude did it before that. Had a really good uh, process. Had a really good, you know, he was really focused. He would sit there. He was totally the opposite of me. I have terrible processes. I'm not focused. We've already talked about seven things when I'm trying to tell this one story about this, about what I've been up to. Um, but anyway, long story short is that he would, um, make a lot of really cool stuff and sell it. And he was not a pro either, but he did it enough and he figured out how to do it. And he had the, he had the chops down to be able to do it and have had run into some problems. So he knew like troubleshooting and that's always important. That's one of the most important things of any craft is knowing how to troubleshoot when things start to go sideways. And that's only something that you can learn over time. So he's the one that taught me how to do fiberglass. I don't know if I'd say he taught me, but he got me pointed in the right direction, explained to me how it's done, you know, then left me to fend for myself, much like he had done for his own self. You know, you just learn by doing, make mistakes, and and uh, get some pointers from people. And that's exactly what he did. So I got way into fiberglassing way back then. Um, that was back in, I'm going to say, like 1837. And then um, ever since then, I've really liked molding. I've liked looking at things and seeing how they come apart. And every time I see something that I don't like, I always think, hey, I could make something out of fiberglass or out of some sort of like resin, you know, layered, uh, laminated thing that would replicate that in the way that I want. That's the beauty of fiberglass. That's the beauty of being able to fabricate out of metal, uh, or any, anything 
You make it how you want it. So nothing exists in the uh, merchandising world for motorcyclists. There's a bunch. There's a few toy companies that make expensive motorcycle toys. There's um, you know stuff that doesn't. I hate toys that don't look like motorcycle. Like models. Nobody's gonna play with models. Take them out and play with them. So they set them on their shelf. They forget about them. They put them in the garage in a box. Twenty five years later, they pull it out. Oh, yeah, I should ride around. Oh, that's sweet. But nobody makes something that you can like say, hey, this is like super unique. This doesn't really even look like anything I have. Um, and I'm not talking like because they meant to make a motorcycle and they don't know what a motorcycle looks like. So they made it look like a dragon with two wheels sticking out of it on the side of it. I'm saying like nothing unique for podcasts or anything like that exists as far as like toys and stuff. So due to steady crafting in the crafts, man, he got me into casting. I just told you my whole life story about how I learned how to fiberglass and how that kind of is the same sort of thing. As long as you can imagine it, you can make it, and that's what's important to know. A lot of the processes are the same. Um, it's just what how you're uh, laying it up when you're doing a um, when you're doing fiberglass and you're laying stuff over it to make a make a buck or make a mold. The casting that I'm doing, <clears throat> excuse me, the casting that I'm doing right now is exactly the same sort of process. Um, as you would be doing for fiberglass. So, uh, I really, really love, I've got, I got, I got a bunch, I got like over a hundred dollars worth of supplies. Uh, just this week came in, I got some new resins, some new silicones. I got this stuff called dragon skin and I've already tested it out. It is pretty delicate. It's a, it's a platinum silicone. And so it, uh, doesn't like to be cured against certain other, um, Substrates, you got to be real careful with what type of molds you use this in and what type of stuff you're casting and adding to it. It'll make it stay gooey and runny and it'll never cure, which I've had bad fiberglass do that to me before too. So that's what old junk's been up to. Uh, I've had a whole bunch of resins show up, like I said, so I'm ready to start casting them. Polyurethane, I really had some hard resins before that was giving me like toy-style plastics. This other polyurethane stuff, I want to see if it's more like a... Um, I want to see if it's something more like a G.I. Joe or something like that where you can bend it and it won't break. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm really, really excited to make some stuff and share it with the patrons. I've already shared with the patrons my little ideas. And if you want to find out what I'm up to over there, go to patreon.com. Um, but it also made me think about opening an Etsy store or something like that. I know I have a ton of stickers that the patrons get for free. Um, I have a bunch of crap lying around the garage and the studio, and everything that I could uh, pull out of the boxes and everything that I've been working on and just, like, put to the side. Like, eh, you know, that never made it to the light of day, but I still have it, or, like, stupid little stuff that I make now and then, like our hobo flashlight. I I have a whole hobo kit that I've never sent to anybody, but I may. Um, But at any rate, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that I've been trying to get, and I'm just really excited uh, because, you know, to me, casting is sort of like, like I said, making things about out of fiberglass, the same sort of process, but on a much smaller scale, much more detail, and also something that people will want. I could make you a fairing for your motorcycle out of fiberglass. Does everybody have a mo- bike that has fairings? No. Does everybody have a bike that has like footrests? Yeah, but it, are, those are even way different. So making a toy or making something cool um, based around the show I think I think I might make one a tow war too. We'll see. But 
make it a little figure that you can customize yourself and be a creative writer, I think is really cool. And I, sh I shared with the patrons, um, like I said, I shared with them some of my ideas and a couple little photos. But um, we'll see when that thing comes around. It's it's a little bit harder than it's going to be to make the mold than I thought. So, And I also want it to, to be kind of like a toy where you could like actually sit it on your desk, not like a statue, but to play around with it too. Uh, so yes. And also Junkster is going to hit the roads this weekend, go for a recreational get out. Uh, I wanted to say to all the parents whose school is starting pretty soon, um, it's another round of junkie gets real busy and I get real busy at, at work lately and I talk for at least a hundred hours a day. I'm no, I'm going to need a break before all this happens. So my poor kids are feeling it. Um, so I need to get out and get a ride in this weekend. I've been I've been trying to clean the studio. I've been trying to clean out a bunch of stuff before uh, life gets back to normal and life gets more busy. And so I've been fixing up some some of the bikes that have been out in our shed. Our everybody in our family has bikes. Not everybody rides them. Junkie rides all of them. And so it's like, hey, we got all this extra stuff that we never use. But junk does, so it's like I'm sick of use, being the only person that uses everything in our house. So we're going to get rid of some stuff, sell some stuff. I'm fixing up some of the bikes. I feel kind of, you know, my daughter and I have, she's always been like my little two-wheel junkie, and she has helped me um, fix up a couple little bikes that she no longer fits anymore because she's a big kid now. And so I'm going to get rid of those, even though she totally fully customized them. But it brings me back through memory lane, and it's also kind of nice, like I said, at the beginning of the show half an hour ago, I really like uh, working with my hands. And so it's been giving me something to do all day. It's been real nice. So that's going to be happening. Um, so like I said, it's kind of nice that uh, we've been having this little break on Sunday, I guess. We're going to be coming out on Sundays because I guess I can fulfill the rest of my week with other stuff. Uh, I know I'm going to need a break before school starts, and I'm glad I'm getting all this crap done and getting the studio cleaned out a little bit. It's been really hot in here. I've been trying to like kind of mitigate the heat with some like airflow management. There's not a whole bunch I can do out here where the studio is and how it mixes in with the garage that I can actually do for any of it. Just being inside this building is hot as all hell, and it's been a warm – like we're, we're hitting a heat wave, and I think it's supposed to be – uh, hotter here pretty soon, even this next week. So it's like, it's super late at night right now. And it's got to be like, I'm sweating balls in here. It's got to be like 88 in here in the in the uh, studio right now, I'm going to guess. So anyways, I'm glad we're getting all this taken care of before school starts. Um, school right now for us is going to be online. We still have uh, like social distancing and all that stuff happening. So we're not, you know, you can't social distance kids, but my fit, kids are feeling it too. Like I haven't got out. There's, hasn't been, there's racing happening right now in a very, uh, COVID way. And there's a lot of uh, bike events that are happening much the same way, but man, my kids are feeling it. And I know because, uh, They've hardly been out of the house. We've, we haven't been away all summer because we can't go anywhere. We're like, you know, and we're not going to go stay in a hotel. We're like, who knows who stayed there. We're not going to go on vacation when like most parks and stuff are closed. Everybody's trying to get this thing under control or at least like where there's not a whole bunch of new cases and California just keeps going off the charts. So like right before, you know, school starts. So it's really crazy. I don't think we're going to go anywhere before that happens. So my kids are bummed because they've been in the house. They don't get to 
go out on a motorcycle and, and social distance like I do when I'm out by myself, just ripping around, um, you know, just on the, on the, uh, you know, up in the hills or wherever I'm heading into, they don't get to do that stuff. And so they have been at home this whole time. And my daughter was, uh, crying the other day because she was like, I miss my friends, you know, and um, we haven't been out, and like now school's starting, so I hope everything goes good. But it is just a reminder that we have been cooped up, um, we have been cramped, and and most a lot of places actually, it's school time right now. Some places have in school, uh, you know, in at school schools. Some places are online, like California's online right now. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you to try to get out. We've been taking little trips to the mountains and around the hood. But it's not like a day at the park where we just go and play um, or like in the old days. You know the old days back like in December or before December. Um, but my do- my wife was talking to my daughter because she was crying the other night. And she said that she's been spending so much time on electronics because it makes it seem like the time goes by faster. She'll sit there and read a book. And she's like, and then I finish reading it and I realize it's only like an hour. My kid reads super fast. So like she'll finish a whole book in an hour. You know what I'm saying? And it's like she realizes it's only been an hour. But when she's playing video games, we're like, hey, hey guys, you've been on for like three hours. Like you you need to go outside and, or at least get up and move around and do something. And she's like, so the days go by really fast when we're playing electronics. So I noticed they've been playing a lot lately and it kind of bums me out. So this weekend I got my kid out to help me out. Uh, we did some motorcycle stuff together and some bicycle stuff together. And so it was really cool. But um, if you're do whatever you're doing right now, I've seen a lot of memes that say that like if playing video games all day is your thing that makes you feel better, if just going for a hike or a run is what makes you feel better, and you're running until you're passing out when you get home every day, just do what makes you feel good right now. If it's the drugs, I guess go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, so whatever whatever you want to do, do it and. It's the same reason that my wife likes TikTok and I like Reddit and you like Instagram. It's just, it's a waste of time that many of us find ourselves doing. And we got a vast supply of time right now. So ironically, most people can't do the things that they want to do with their spare time. So we kind of waste it to make the day go by faster. So hopefully I'm going to be doing more of the crafting and the writing and and just, uh, I guess, show notes for the rest of my life now that we're going to be out on Sundays and they want want me to submit show notes. But anyway, hopefully some uh, with some stuff coming back, like some of the racing and some of the regulations allowing people to get out responsibly. I know Sturgis is going to be happening this – well, now that we're coming out on Sundays. This week, is it coming? Yeah, I think it's this week it's going to be happening. It starts and goes for a couple weeks. So that's going to be happening. i got a couple things down in the calendar too that I will I'll let you know what's going on. But, um, but yeah, there's going to be a couple things. And if you're social distancing, there's nothing anybody can do about it because you're being responsible. And uh, let me see here. I will get to my things that I want to tell you about. Um, so anyway, yeah, I it is really cool. Get out and do what you can um, and get out and basically just, I don't know. It's not like... Um, it's It's not quite like everything is opening up, but there's enough stuff coming back that I think 
in every location though there's like a motorcycle related thing whether it's going to the track watching race you know you can get out and get be more positive and uplifting we'll start the school year out uh in an uplifting way and and just start the you know if any of you have kids i hope you're not dealing with the same sort of thing that we are um speaking of positive and uplifting cases of the corona <laughs> they are they are a lot of people testing positive and the cases are uplifting as in they're going up the whole reason 2020 has sucked um they're not on not only on the rise in the USA right now but globally as well now this affected my job earlier this year because uh well it, i was wondering if it was going to affect it later um too many countries pulled in orange county orange county is south of LA um and it's like where all the rich old white folks live and not just rich old white folks but just like you know, Orange County is just Orange County, right? It's like where the Hills was filmed. If you ever watched Hollywood or MTV back in the day, you can, you kind of get it. It's a little bit ritzy and the people want to do what they want to do. And unfortunately, like they've never closed their beaches, I don't think. Everyone's getting together. And as a result, like, and and, and Riverside and, and in uh, what's it called? Inland Empire is doing sort of the same thing. And as a result, cases are going up. Cases are going up in L.A., like just all over the place, right? And countries right now are pulling at Orange County. Orange County relies on the beaches for income. And I'm sure some of those rich people down there were feeling the squeeze themselves when like not, you know, they rely on the economy doing well. When the economy is doing poorly, everybody's affected, right? So uh, I'm sure that they were like stoked for the beaches, you know, this heat wave that we had back in like, a few weeks after this happened, March, I'm going to say April or May or the beginning of May, there was a huge heat wave and it's like, Hey, it's the beginning of summer in SoCal, Orange County's not closing down. Um, <clears throat> and they were letting people just come to the beach cause they, uh, the whole, it's a little, t- little city. If you think of like, um, what's it called? What's that little beach? God, I can't even think of it right now. But anyway, there's like, Oh, Laguna, Laguna is, uh, like in this kind of little area that you got you got to find if you're not driving down PCH you kind of got into it get into it through a secret portal and there's like one way in one way out sort of thing so if you're in there you're trapped with everybody that's there and uh, come hot weather season and bikini season everybody wants to be at a beach and Orange County are the only ones that were open. Um, so the same thing right now, the reason I'm talking about Orange County so much, why, 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 it's not like Orange County is making the whole uh, coronavirus in Southern California flare up, but Greece and Spain and Italy and Germany, they're also seeing spikes, meaning that one, you can't trust people to be responsible, <laughs> and two, if you don't want the government to lock you down like animals, change number one and be responsible, right? So... Uh, I'm keep harping on this crap, but I'm scared now because we're like entering a second phase of like spikes and I don't want another delay. And, um, we already saw 2020, uh, this thing hit in March, which was, you know, the 2020, the 2020, 1920 IMS show ends like in, I'm going to say January, sometimes late or not late, like early, early February. It might stretch out all the way to February. But then all of a sudden you start seeing uh, 
you know, the models are released like in what, July, the year before, August, something like that. Some of them wait till IMS or ICMA to release their stuff. And now I'm really worried because when this stuff hit, I was like, oh man, the rest of the world went on lockdown way before we did. And it had kind of cured things and people were going back to the factory in like March or not March in like, you know, just like six weeks after this all happened. Uh, maybe two months, and now we're a few months into this, and we're seeing a second spike, and I'm just worried that places like Italy that makes Ducati and Germany that makes BMW, and I think, I'm not sure if KTM is in BMW or if it's in Bavaria or wherever it is, Husaberg, I have no idea, but or Austria, I just, I don't know, but I'm just saying Europe in general is having a flare up. And I don't think the, I don't think the UK is because I think they're still very like touchy. And I think they were on real lockdown, just like Italy was where you couldn't go outside. Um, so I just fear that the second wave of places like Greece and Spain and, and Italy and Germany, where there's couple motorcycle manufacturing companies in there or countries in there that you may have heard me mention. Um, they're all this flare up for tourist uh, season is going to end up causing another industry shutdown. And we're, we're already kind of just getting back online. So I'm really kind of scared for uh, my job now. And I'm just wondering if we're going to get like any new vehicles coming out and any data on the ones that are out. And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about this stuff as we're creeping along here in 2020. Um, but yeah. Uh, my closing thoughts is I'm going to try and stay busy at home, making things and planning shows and save the ride for social distanced masked up peep Tomery by peep Tomery. You, you get what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm going to try and stay home. I am going to keep riding, but cause when I ride, I've been doing the social distance thing. I haven't been riding in groups. I haven't been doing anything taken off my uh, mask when I get to places when there are other motorcyclists, none of that jazz. And I've been staying away from people. So I'm going to try and keep doing that because I need to get out. I need to get on two wheels. I hope you're able to get on two wheels. I see a lot of people already have. Um, and I hope things are clearing up in your neck of the woods. Um, hopefully you're not anywhere near where like Florida and New York and California is. Hopefully you're free and clear to ride and go hang out with the friends and do whatever you want. So yeah, I'm just going to do that. And since I still am in kind of quarantine and we have school starting and, and a lot of anxiety and I'm going to be even more busy at work because of COVID, we're getting, um, you know, if things have changed, uh, I'm just going to stay positive and try to ride and try to do stuff for the show. So that's uh, my closing thoughts on that. Let's take a quick break and get into um, the second segment here. Tobor, take us out. We'll be right back. This is Creative Riding, Motorcycle Pickle Cat. Oh my God.
Creative Writing is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long-distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's, I killed a ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. Mmm, what's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies, available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. Hey, hey, welcome back to Creative Writing Episode 228, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. This is Junkie Turdman, your host. Uh, let's get into a little bit of a news. We're not going to do a whole bunch of news, uh, just a little bit of the basics here. In this crazy time that we live in right now, uh, I do know, I want to say, I don't think this is part of our news, but I do want to say that, pardon me, uh, power sports right now in general... Motorcycles, but power sports in general, are experiencing an insane sort of boom. And I want to contribute it to partially in the United States. I don't know if this is happening everywhere else in the world, but I want to contribute some of it to the stimulus checks that everybody's been getting. Fortunately enough, uh, a lot of people in the States can work online. And I think that a lot of people have not been... Uh, at first, I shouldn't say this, this sounds terrible. From what I've seen, the jobless claims are like off the charts, right? And I know a lot of people who are unemployed right now and have been unemployed, but uh, the stim- there's been a couple stimulus checks. And for those of us lucky to have uh, continued to work, and maybe this is where all this is coming from, I have a lot of friends who work at dealerships and they say they are booming and banging uh, that's not their exact words. Their words were a little bit more uh, classy than that. But they are basically like just uh, as busy as all get out. And with service, sales, all the whole nine yards um, or the whole um, three meters if you're <laughs> – come on. So anyway, um, the whole kit and caboodle, how's that? Uh, everything is going off at these dealerships and they say it is, they're experiencing for for everyone else being shut down, they're experiencing some of the most, uh, continued service and growth right now. And I know for a fact that, uh, due to Moto Twins and due to current newsletters and everything else that I get, the side-by-side market has continued to grow despite the slump that already was happening in motorcycle sales, uh, like over the past couple of years. Side-by-side st- sales have continued to grow, and they still do in this crazy uh, time that we're living where it seems like we'd be in a recession or something by now or a, or a depression, but we are, uh, we're definitely being affected, let's put it that way, and uh, right when you feel like things should be yep, should be doing one of those, uh, side-by-side sales are going up, motorcycle sales are going up, and scooter sales. And service department, sales department, they're just hammered. So it's that's a really interesting thing that I think we should keep our mind, our eyes on and kind of carry over and, and watch throughout this whole uh, ordeal. How does this how does it affect um, 
the you know looking a year ahead from now um let's look at motorcycle sales a year from now 2020 models i feel like uh you know they they get introduced mid-year usually the year before that's just how all auto and you know most uh most automotive things work i don't know why you start to introduce the 2020 model in 2019 i guess it's a little bit of lead time but you start selling them then too i just i don't understand it but i remember a lot of good cool things coming out of 2020 a lot of redesigns um a lot of things Honda re- did a huge redesign in 2019. A lot of their vehicles, some vehicles were actually one year. They uh, did a redesign in eight, in 17 and 18 or 16 and 18. They did another redesign in 19 for some things, like literally I think like the CB500F or something was like a one-year model. Or their CBR650 uh, was just like a one-year model. I don't understand. Um but then they're they're carrying over for 2020. Kawasaki had a whole huge huge new lineup for 2020, as did uh, Triumph somewhat, and Ducati added like 19 more Scramblers. I mean, that's like Scrambler is the model lineup that's keeping Ducati afloat right now. Um, and so I really there was a lot of stuff in 2020 that I feel came out, and then. We ha- we didn't see it come to full fruition. There's been a lot of uh, reviews and ride reviews as as businesses have, uh, you know, m- luxury magazines. Like when you're thinking of like automotive magazines and motorcycle magazines, when you're not even supposed to be commuting, they are a little bit of a luxury. Tobar, are you choking again? Yeah, it's not like you're making throat noises again. Anyway, they are a little bit of a luxury, and I do understand that. Um, you the the people that work at these in these industries that bring us the news for them like motorcycle mags and stuff like that they aren't going to be out riding i don't think they're supposed to be in england in the uk and england where things were like on lockdown lockdown they definitely were um not allowed to do stuff like that i'm pretty sure but here in the in the us where uh media was considered um essential business and i guess so we could bring you the news about you know, what's happening in the community and stuff. But really what I saw was that uh, a lot of stuff <laughs> took that essential card and played it pretty hardcore. I probably could have said, hey, you know, I'm more media for what's going on in, in a specific industry, you know, and, and still going to – I chose, uh, you know, I haven't gone to get my bike service or anything, but um, – I chose not to pull the media card, but I also chose not to pull the uh, go to a dealership card. And at any rate, um, some people are. And like I said, make a long story short, now that we're blabbing, is uh, some of the news that we're going to be covering now and in the future is that um, power sport sales are up, even in this crazy pandemic time. So that's one interesting point I wanted to make. Um, also, as writing has resumed, as events have resumed, and as several safety committees and re- but all regions, states, and con- like countries and international, like World Superbike and MotoGP, pardon me, they are coming on with. Um, they came out with uh, figuring out how to how to proceed through all this, and I'll, I have to give like a you know a round of applause to the committees and all the time and effort that they put into making this possible, not only for the teams and the, the riders to earn their pay, but the sponsors and everyone else that pays them and the fans that miss this stuff. Um, I really liked the, uh, the virtual racing 
And I thought it was cool to see pros doing that sort of stuff where they suck. Uh, you know, if you were, if, if normal gamers were allowed to play with these guys, I think it would have been funny to see like a gamer show up a pro. But uh, for the virtual GP, the stay-at-home GP, I really commend uh, MotoGP for doing that and making it pro, you know, letting the pro racers uh, get out there and, and have a little bit of fun and fun for the fans. And now that real racing has come back, it's just as heated, right? And so we're not going to talk about uh, some really popular rounds like motocross and um, World Superbike. We're going to talk about MotoGP in this round because I'm not really going to follow all the racing. I don't have time or resources to track it all. But I do want to say that something phenomenal has happened in this particular uh opening season. So racing has resumed, we know, in MotoGP, and we saw the first round, the first actual uh, racing happen at Jerez the weekend before last. Um, and we saw uh, Mark Marquez crashed and broke his uh, femurius. It's the femurus humerus, right? It's the, hu- it's the biggest bone <laughs> in your upper arm. I know it's not the femur, you guys. But... Um, it is the biggest bone. I wrote femurus humerus because uh, femur is the biggest bone in your leg. So both these upper bones are your biggies. And that's what he busted. He broke it right below the shoulder, I believe, um, in round one. And uh, so this last uh, last weekend, we can, not, not this weekend here, but the one before that, um, they had the Andalusian Grand Prix. So Jerez is at... Uh, Andalusia is somewhere else. They're both in Spain, but one's in like Eastern Spain, one's in Western Spain. I don't know. There's Spain is so many different, like, I know it's one country, but there's so many different regions. Um, so the Andalusian Grand Prix, I forget exactly where that took place, but Mark Marquez, um, who had broken his uh, humerus in the opening round tr- tri- at the Spanish Grand Prix, comes back to the Andalusian Grand Prix, and it had only been three or four days. Uh, he got surgery on Tuesday, you know, bust his arm on like Sunday, I think it was, got surgery on Tuesday and went out for practice and was doing okay the friggin', you know, next weekend. So gets his arm, uh, I don't know what so- sort of super medicine they're putting on people where they can get an operation on Tuesday and be back on the track, you know, for a broken arm that was like a, bra- a big old break on your biggest arm bone. Um, and then you're out there back on the track like Saturday morning. That's nuts to me. Three or four days after surgery, he's out there on the track. Might have even been Friday. I, you know, I, I've taken lunch breaks longer than that. But he goes out for free for practice and he was doing okay. But during the second practice, I guess he lost all power to his arm and decided that it would be a really, really bad choice to race. Uh, and so he did the smart thing, in my opinion. And even though uh, modern medicine allowed him to do it, get back out on track. Um, he didn't go for the race. So I think that was really smart. Um, I've got a couple of things here that were said. So the Honda boss, I think his name is Alberto Puig, um, Alberto Pugli, something like that. He stirred up Jack Miller's emotions when he said that Mark, out of the championship for now, would make people um, not be satisfied or something like that. Like if someone else wins, they can't be fully satisfied that the title was fairly won. Well, Mark... Uh, Jack Miller, um, rightfully so, actually too, by by all and by my account, and I think by a lot of people's accounts, said, "Hey, that's like a total crock, right?" Um, 
He claimed uh, it was a crock of tubs. Oh, my notes are so funny. He noted that any racer can be injured at any time, a.k.a. Rossi back at Aston when he broke his leg um, and kind of opened the doorway for other people to start moving in, and he didn't really... I, I think that's when Rossi kind of started to decline, actually, isn't it? after he broke his leg um, and just started having a mixed bag of stuff after that. Uh, he started to slip a little. Wayne Rainey, busts the spine, never races again. Marco Simoncelli crashes and gets ran over by Rossi and Edwards and dies, right? So you never know. And, and then Pedrosa and Stoner, like Stoner was like on top of the world. He was floating on this uh, little cloud drinking tea on top of this big blue marble that we're on. And the next thing you know, he's got this mystery illness and he started to kind of do bad. Um, Pedrosa, same thing. Had this crazy arm pump and got arm pump surgery, and like you never know, Nikki Hayden when he broke his um, he broke his leg uh, like doing supermoto or something, and you know they were he was already kind of on the way down when that happened. He had just done his miracle year just a couple of years before, and he had already kind of started slipping, bust his leg, and he never came back. So, um, yeah, you never know when someone that you consider great is going to have that. Uh, misfortune. So Jack Miller's like, listen, just because Marquez has been the reigning champ for the past couple of years and he breaks his arm doesn't mean that it's not that much of a uh, championship. And I fully agree. Um, I do want to say that Fabio Cordero, who has been doing really, really well the last couple years, as a matter of fact, it did actually it was kind of fun to watch him race on the virtual GPs. Was uh, he was doing very well on those as well? He won the race that Marquez was out, and I don't know if they raced again this weekend. Um, I honestly haven't. Uh, I was so busy today, I have no idea. I haven't been able to do anything, uh, catch up on any Moto News today. But as of um, as of the show notes and everything being written, there there wasn't. But anyway, I think it's amazing. Uh, in my opinion, Marquez is one of the best riders of this generation, this current generation. And I hope that he gives himself time to heal rather than potentially starting his descent like everybody else due to constant nagging injuries. Um, and for me, it's Honda. Like uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Now, this is just my opinion. This is not fact. And this is... Uh, you could probably look up any team and find a string of people that crashed, but like you know, Ducatis especially. But and I was like thinking about it. Um, it's just kind of a weird pattern. Several riders from Honda, Nikki Hayden, I already mentioned, d- did pretty poorly, and people were criticizing him. And then he had his miracle year where he run, won the 2006 championship, and then he went back down, you know, to normal like seventh or eighth, wherever he was before. And then broke his leg and, like, was lucky to pull a 15th for a few years and, like, finished out before his death, like, just going further down every season. Pedrosa was the same way. Went from the winning, the winningest guy to never win a title to the guy that had, like, the most arm pumps and the guy that started having the most weird little nagging injuries. Um, uh, John McGinnis, after his off... I mean, John McGinnis was a guy I used to idolize on the TT and even when he do road racing stuff, um, I mean, not road racing, he's the TT and, and the Kells and all that stuff is road racing, but the um, when he would do circuit road racing, right, he was a guy to watch um, on 
you know, whenever he was out there. But um, after getting wrecked on the TT a couple times, he I feel like he even declined. Uh, I can't think of where he placed in in uh, you know circuit racing. I just I don't think he placed well enough. But for Honda, he he got jacked up and he's been getting jacked up. And then finally with this box of neutrals that him and Guy Martin, who's another guy that raced for Honda. Uh, he, I think he had a couple Suzuki's too, but when he raced for Honda is when he decided he's going to quit racing. And it was also after he found that box of neutrals on the 2016 Fireblade or whatever it was. So both him and McGinnis got jacked up and they've kind of done the thing that Rossi has. Rossi hasn't run a, won a race, I believe since 15 or 16. Um, and so the last four years of the, you know, I think he finished second a couple times, but he hasn't won a race since 16. Definitely hasn't won a championship since like, when's the last time Rossi won a championship? 2009? Because I think Jorge Lorenzo took it in 10 and Marquez has been the guy ever since. So I think it's been like over a decade since since Rossi. But anyway, uh, we're talking about Hondas here. But anyway, so uh, him, even Casey Stoner, he, he rode for Honda for a little bit. Uh, but those are a few people that rode for Honda and they just never returned to their full potential after nagging injuries kept kind of kept them down. And so I see Honda, they, nobody wants to disappoint Honda. And ironically, Lorenzo crashed out and busted his neck on a, and announced his retirement on a Honda too. And I'm not bad mouthing Honda. Like I said, it's just coincidental. Um, but yeah, so I'm with, I'm with, uh, Miller on this, that anybody, we all get injured. This is a quote from him actually in uh, Autosport Magazine. Quote, we all get injured, and I mean they keep bringing it up. That's not valid. We all have the opportunity to get injured, and it's the risk that you take. Uh, end quote. So yeah, it's a bit different, in the but the same rules apply to everybody, which I totally agree with. And, uh, you know, Mark Marquez, will be, there's going to be 12 races this year. Mark Marquez is going to be back for... Um, a couple. And so, you know, all it takes is for the, for him to win the most after this. So he could still win the championship or he could have crashed out like anybody else could have. Um, nobody makes a big deal of it when other riders crash out and say the championship's thrown away, you know? So I agree with them. Um, IMS, uh, speaking of shows, I, ICMA got canceled, I don't know if IMS is going to get canceled. I hope not, but we'll see. It's still a ways away. But if we keep seeing these spikes right, <clears throat> pardon me, right now at the end of summer, and well, we're like I guess we're midsummer now, but we're get, heading into the school year, and so that means technically, I guess it's supposedly going to be fall. Hopefully, as we get into winter, which is going to be usually when um, IMS starts, is in November. I hope we got this thing under wraps. And when they were saying back in March that. Um, Pardon me. That the uh, a virus would be about a year to a year and a half out because it takes time to uh, do research, figure out what works, and and figure out how to attack it, and then go ahead and make it and do trial tests, and then like get on the market. I could see how that could take a year. It's like making a bike, f- five year lead time on a motorcycle. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I hope the reason to bring up a vaccine is the timing. I hope that IMS uh, launches. And it goes ahead with the shows this fall. This November is usually when they start. Um, sometime either it's either before uh, Thanksgiving, usually right before, and sometimes they'll start in um, December. But yeah, I hope IMS 
uh, goes down, they have, in the meantime, launched Continue the Ride. If you remember Robert Pandya a few uh, a couple of years ago, went to Lucky Wheels and while he was doing the Give a Shift. Well, Give a Shift has kind of morphed into him getting back into the motorcycle industry. He took a break for a little bit, and he's gone and got back into it. He started this thing with IMS called Continue the Ride. You got to check their blog for more info, but there are new vids, um, new podcasts, and a ton of new resources for riders, um, businesses, all the stuff. No surprise that Robert Pandya, of course, is a huge part of the uh, the movement, the uh, everything that's going on. And I think he's a co-host or host of the Center Stand podcast, and that's an industry-focused podcast. Um, and they have a blog for industry professionals as well. So they're going for riders and people in the industry. And and uh, riders can enjoy the Reserve Tank podcast, and it's a little bit more rider-focused. Uh, there's the Inside the Garage, which is funny because I have a page on our blog called Inside the Garage where we featured TPS Fab stuff. Um, but anyway, it's a great DIY video series, how to do stuff yourself, and it's called Inside the Garage. Um, and it's totally geared toward a rider that wants to do stuff themselves. And then the IMS Ride series is a video series that's focused on um, events, uh, motorcycle personalities, or people in the motorcycle community that are doing things, um, routes that you can take, like fun rides to get out and do, st- like can't miss, you know, motorcycle stuff. So there's a really a lot of cool things, a lot of cool avenues, not only business related, but new rider focused and, ex- and existing rider. Uh, focus to enhance your rides. Um, and there's also a blog, right? So there's a business uh, directed blog and a writer directed blog. So there's a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, they're also going to be doing giveaways and, uh, try to do updates to keep the motorcycle community in general engaged with what's going on. So that's two great things to check out, um, racing and, uh, the IMS, they're doing this thing called Continue the Ride. So check out, I think you can go to continuetheride.com. I've put up some stuff on our blog, actually, uh, where to find it. So if you go there, we have it's creative-riding.com. And I know that's what's up there right now. We're actually trying to get uh, that more filled out on a regular basis as well. Um, Yeah, I think we need to take a little break and uh, get into the next segment here. Stick around. This is Creative Writing. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. And uh, while we take a break, maybe you want to get out and ride. Who knows? Just a bunch of dudes from Utah, man. Taking factory junk and making it theirs whenever they can. Taking wood making it theirs. That's how they bring us the show they call Stockers for Squares. All right, we are back. Um, little ditty from Junkie Toitman. All right, everybody, let's talk about the main show topic now, which is the expectations of nostalgia. I wanted to go into this a little bit uh, to talk about 
what do you, okay, first things first, when you are uh, thinking of the old days and how much fun things were, you might think like when I'm a little kid, when I'm thinking about the past and I'm thinking about the good times I used to have on motorcycles, I am thinking about things like, oh boy, I think I said the word of the week a couple times too. You got any more sugar gliders, Tobor? Hello, Tobor. Tobor. No, have a good weekend. Okay, I guess we don't have any more sugar gliders, but I think I said the, the word of the week a couple times during that last segment. But anyways, when I am thinking about the expectations of nostalgia, I'm thinking of things like... Well, Tobor just left, by the way. <laughs> okay, bye, Tobor. I guess I don't have a co-host for this show. But anyway, um, I think of things like, you know, the KX... I don't know what the hell it was. KX250 or something that I... My my buddy had I think maybe a, a 180, um, the Honda Big Red. He had about 50 of those. The 110 ATC. You know what I'm saying? All various colors. Mostly he had a couple big red ones, but he had this one that was pimp. It was a um, I don't know what size it was, but I think it was a 110, and it had didn't have the big balloony tires. It had a little bit different tires, like sportier. Um, and it was like all white with like brown and gold and maybe blue um, glitter stripes on it. Like you might find on the side of like one of the most bitchinest vans that you ever saw from the 70s or 80s. Um, and this is in the 80s when I was a little kid. Um, yeah. And we would he would take me around on that thing when I first moved to California. I was so lucky to have him as a neighbor. And he didn't know it, but he got me into motorbikes then. And... Uh, he's still very much in the motorcycle world today. He's a mechanic. As far as I know, he had his own business for a while. I don't know if he still does. But I know that he, um, before we would go riding, we would get out there and we would be throwing stuff together. You know, if it was rebuilding the pull starter on his on one of the three-wheelers, uh, I don't know, uh, even swapping over handlebars or getting headlights to work on one of the motorcycles that we were riding. And we had a variety of stuff, and we lived out in the country, so you could kind of ride it. As long as you didn't ride it on the paved streets, the rest of the streets were still um, dirt roads. So that was kind of cool. And if you didn't go out onto the main paved street, you wouldn't get much hassle. And the uh, what most if you think of a city, what would be like the sidewalk and the front yard of most people's houses was all dirt and easement in uh, where I lived as a kid. And the um, the road was built on an old rail bed. So actually the, the road was just a two-lane road that went through the country there. And on either side of the road was a lot of dirt because the old railway went there. And um, I guess you couldn't really build on top of it with the rail bed and old ties and stuff like that underneath it. It was just easier to leave it dirt. So there's quite a big dirt margin on the side of the road, um, a dirt shoulder, I guess you would call it, on one side of the road, and that's the side that we would ride on. Um, so we got away with all that stuff. And when I think of back then, I think of the fun that we had ripping around, no helmet laws. So, of course, we were little kids on 110 death machines, no helmets. Um, we would ride all over the place. We'd just have the most fun. And, yeah, we'd have to fix stuff now and then, but... When we when I grew up and now I'm looking f to re, uh, relive that nostalgia, you know my buddy the the man called Yeti who is on uh, Instagram, 
had a uh, Tri-Z, you know, that we rode around in our 20s, I guess. I don't know. But um, that thing was pretty rad. That thing was like a super fast version of the 110. I, I loved it as a little kid. Well, nowadays they don't even make three-wheelers. But if they did, I guess the Harley-Davidson three-wheeler would be about as close as you came because I don't think anybody else makes a regular trike. Um but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if, if I were to get on a Harley freewheeler or a Harley trike or something like that, would I still feel that same sense of nostalgia for what made me love it as a little kid? And my thing is, is no. And when modern bikes try to recapture the sense of nostalgia, the reason that they fail is because when they try to, uh, there's two things to look at here. You sell a steak by the sizzle, not the quality of the meat, right? The person has to like buy the steak and eat it to know that it sucks. But selling that steak just takes them to buy it. So you, what you do is you sell what they're going to experience. You sell the sizzle. So when you're selling someone a motorcycle, if you know they've ridden before, you try to find out what they're looking for and you try to, or they might think that they're looking for something and you try to sell that sizzle, right? So a couple things when people are going in, whether your first bike was a sport bike and now you're going in for another sport bike, you may be going in for uh, something and it doesn't hit those nostalgic buttons. Maybe it's probably way better. It's probably like, hey, my first car was a friggin' Volkswagen uh, truck, like the Rabbit pickup, um, and now you're selling me a uh, like a brand new BMW or Mercedes. Yeah, that's better tenfold. It's still an old German car uh, compared to a brand new German car, but the differences could not be more um, more different. And you're not going to have anything nostalgic. There's nothing nostalgic about it, right? Uh, there's nothing that's going to remind you of your old old car if they made some sort of retro mod like the motorcycle industry is famous for this cars not so much even if you look at the mustangs and the dodge chargers and challengers the challenger i'd have to say comes the closest to looking to the old one as any car has uh any new car has and dodge does it right when they did their panel wagons when they did the pt cruiser um when they did the the Prowler, like those things looked like sort of weird um, matchbox hot bo- uh, Hot Wheels versions of an old car, kind of kind of like modernized, right? Motorcycles do this a lot too, and almost no other car industry does. You don't find BMW putting da- putting out an old two thousand two or nothing like that. That'd be so awesome if they did. They'd have to like modernize it. I would say the Mini is the closest thing you're going to come to that. And minis are huge compared to the old minis. And they barely look like uh, the old mini did. I think the new Beetle, the newest, newest Beetle, not the one from like 98 that just looked like weird. The newest Beetle uh, that's not the hump in the middle, that's actually the offset hump, Is looks a little bit more like the original Volkswagen than anything else too. But like I said, I digress. Cars do this much less frequently than motorcycles. But the thing is, why are you buying that car that looks like an old Volkswagen Beetle? Why are you buying the car that looks like an old Challenger? Um, Part of it is because as a little kid, uh, if you're an adult and you owned a Challenger, um, you're, you're a little bit older. So I guess maybe... You would, because those were around like in the late, you know, mid 60s, uh, early 70s. 
um, and if you were an adult then and a driving age, you're a little bit older now and you probably want to like cruise in a car that looks cool and gives you the feeling that you had when you looked cool as a teenager. Same thing with the Volkswagen Beetle. You're going to buy that thing. You're going to want that feeling that you got as a kid cruising around cross country, possibly in one of the most unreliable yet mass produced vehicles of, a, of all time. What's not going to happen is you're not going to get that same rumble. You're not going to get the, uh, even the gas mileage being so much better is not going to, you know, even emulate. You might get a couple looks, but I don't know. I just feel like you're not, it's not going to, uh, emulate the feelings that you got from older vintage retro stuff. Now, what is the nice thing about cars is you're going to get a hell of a lot more technology and you're going to get, um, better gas mileage than you did for sure when gas was a dollar a gallon and you're only getting four miles to that dollar. Um, yeah, you're getting way better gas mileage now. And so cars, it's like almost better. Uh, but for motorbikes, let's talk about that. This is why I want to talk about your nostalgic feelings versus like the practicality of going full nostalgic. So while I will agree, and part of this is going to be like a roast my bike on my SCR. And the thing is, is that like when we think of motorbikes and we think of the things we used to love, you go back and you ride a motorbike from the seventies or eighties that like, maybe you're got like a, like a triumph triumphs almost look the same as they did in the fifties. If you get the Bonnevilles, right. And if you get even the, uh, triumph scramblers trying to emulate what their, uh, you know, like the T 100 or whatever has looked like for quite a long time, but now it's a 1200 motor. It's fuel injected. Some of them are water cooled. Like, there's a lot going on there. The brakes are different. Everything's different. It's not anything like that. And if you go back and ride one of those old bikes, it's terrifying. So there's two ways to look at this. One of them is that going for the actual nostalgia, nostalgia, Yamaha does that with the SR400. And that's like one of the only bikes that uh, came back into production almost virtually unchanged since... Um, it came out in 80, 78, I believe it was, for the SR400. That bike stuck around largely unchanged. I mean, of course, it, a couple things changed here and there. The SR250 as well. You heard me a couple few weeks ago do my 1980 episode where we talked about the SR250. And it was in production from 1980 until 2000 in Europe. And so it's 20 years gone. It's already, you know, if you have one of those latest ones, it's already a classic, but are heading that way. Um, anyways, for 20 years though, it was largely unchanged and it actually only gained like a disc brake. That's the biggest difference. And the CCs got lowered. So when you're looking at a bike nowadays, like the R900 RS from, um, Kawasaki, let's say that looks a hell of a lot like the Z1, which is the old 900 from the seventies. Um, and it looks a lot like some of the super bikes from that era as well, like the early eighties, late seventies. Um, but what you're getting, are you getting that same ride that you were then? You're getting way more horsepower. You're getting way more um, bang for your buck. Is it emulating what those bikes, uh, the nostalgia that you got from those bikes? Or is it just a lookalike? Um, it's got cast wheels. Most everything had um, spoke wheels back then. A lot, well, a lot, a lot of stuff did. Uh, a few things had cast wheels and now everything has cast wheels and a few things have spoke wheels, right? So the SCR to get back to that, uh, why it's not practical. 
I really liked it because it really did kind of look like a classic bike. I'm sitting right here next to it looking. It's got all the classic things. It's got the single headlight that's round with the trim ring. It's got uh, fork gaiters. It's got the metal fender. It's a little bit shorter than fenders would have been back in the um, 80s, 70s, and 80s where they had mostly chrome and they were mostly wraparounds. This is a little bit chopped even, so... It's already looking a little different, but the fuel tank is not all that huge. And I don't think fuel tanks were all that big back unless you had like a Harley or something like that or a modified Triumph back in the day um, to get your fuel tank all big. I don't think they were all that big back in the day. Um, Of course, speed limits were lower. That's another thing, Uh, especially during the oil crisis. That's when the speed limit went down to 55 is so that people wouldn't be driving so fast and drinking up so much gas um, cause we weren't making and producing and getting that much gas. So it's like, if we slow down the speed limit, people will have to get better gas mileage. Um, so that's why the speed limit slowed down to 55 during the oil crisis. Um, and nowadays the speed limits are like, uh, not double 55, but, um, people drive double 55 in some places out here in SoCal and my bike, um, looks like a late 70s bike early or late 60s early 70s bike even a mid even mid 80s some some models still look like this in the 80s they weren't all going uh pre super uh you know sport bike yet but my tank i got to tell you when you go retro and you're looking for that feeling of going retro in a modern world it just doesn't work partially because the speed limits were slower the bikes were Crummy. You 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 ride a uh, a vintage bike now, and you realize how crummy it was. But for fifty horsepower, hell, even twenty horsepower, you were having a lot of fun, and you can still rip around on a twenty horse dirt bike from the day. Twenty horses is a lot of. I mean, you know, fifty horse. That's pretty darn good, and um, that's more than my like some of the inline fours from back in the day, like the KZ um, five fifty was like super sporty. And especially for a lot of bikes having drum brakes and stuff like that, it had more horsepower than my 950 does. And so and I realized this is a t- V-twin and that was the inline four and things are a little different. Torques, all the torques and all the uh, top speeds are different. But my new bike does not give me the... Uh, it, what I could do is I could look for a bike that looks uh, vintage and kind of get those classic feels and get the nostalgia coming back and say, yes, I really like the way this bike looks. I like the way it makes me feel to look at it. But once I start riding it, is it practical? Because that's what's going to matter. You don't remember trying to ride your, uh, you know, Honda SL350 across country. Because if you did, um, you probably stopped quite a bit along the way. Uh, touring wasn't quite a thing yet. And that's why touring bikes became touring bikes is because when touring did come a thing, people didn't want to do it on a little bike with no windshield, getting on a hard seat. So you're, you're another, re- whether you're a guy or a girl, your taint, your nether regions, your genitalia is all like ache. You look, you have like a red baboon's ass, right? By the end of the, uh, first day, whole day on the bike. And so none of that's fun. You don't remember that stuff when you're remembering the nostalgia, uh, and in your memory, you're only remembering the good things. A lot like 
high school, a lot like a relationship. Sometimes you can remember all the good. Sometimes you can remember all the bad. But when you take that nostalgia and you're trying to sell that sizzle and you got to remember that this is a modern bike, that's what you're selling, those old feelings. But what you're getting out of the bike and out of the experiences that you're going to have is like 180 degrees different uh, from anything that you would ever experience back then. Partially because we're just in a different world. And uh, the rules are different. The way people commute and drive and, uh, you know, road rage has always been a thing ever since there's been vehicles. I saw this awesome old cartoon in the 20s about it. But even that, I don't remember there being people getting ran over and like, uh, you know, a lot of Instagrams about <laughs> about it. There was, I mean, there was still accidents and road rage. Don't get me wrong. People have been angry, but now it's like, it seems like it's multiplied. And so, and then we have lazy drivers. There was like a lot, there's even more distractions now than dropping a, a cigarette between your legs or on the floorboard and having your floor mats catch on fire or fooling around with the radio. That used to be the big distractions back in the day. Now it's text messaging, calling, hands-free, like a touchscreen, you know, things, uh, touchscreen navigation, dash, you know, all this great stuff that we have to get distracted by. So the nostalgia that you you feel versus the experience that you get is already 100% different writing in this new world. That being a given, um, the practicality goes out right out the window. Like I said, my bike, I took it to Las Vegas and the fuel mileage on this thing is horrible. It wasn't fun because I didn't feel like I could rip on it. And all I wanted to do was just rip on the freeway. But I would have had to pass everything but a gas station on the way there. Sure, ripping past cars at like 85, 90 miles an hour feels fun. But not when you have to stop every 30 miles to get gas. And I swear to God, I know that sounds like hyperbole. But this would be the worst bike to tour on. And that goes against all the feelings of nostalgia uh, you shouldn't start having like disdain for a bike. Like I love this bike up in the local rides that I do. Um, I take it out on dirt a few times out on 66. It's really fun just to like go. I don't want to drop it cause it weighs a thousand pounds. So I really haven't got too crazy with it, but I'll get there with it and it's fun. And I can't wait for those experiences to happen. Those are the new experiences that I'm building on this new bike. Now I love the old classic style, and I love the way this thing looks, and I love the way most of the modern classics look. But I have to be real about this and realize that they're not going to be good for the same sort of things that they were back in the day. You wouldn't take a normal, you know, UJM, you used to be, and, and before UJMs were big, it was like UBM, the Universal British Motorcycle. You had BSAs, Triumphs, um, I mean, I guess even some Jawas to some degree, um, Perias, Boltacos, a lot of stuff from Europe and, and, and England in, in particular, um, and like AJS, Matchless, and then from the States, you had like Harleys and, and Indians and I guess Crockers at some point, um, and Excelsiors if we go back far enough, right? And these things were doing what we call scrambles, in which where you put a dirt tires on a road bike. So when I saw my SCR... And I thought of a scrambler. And when everybody thinks of scrambler, that's like the hottest, hippest new word for like the past five years has been the rise of the scramblers. I think they're in decline now. I think people are going back to, uh, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what's been selling. I guess we'll have to wait a few months for the um, 
for the sales to come out and what's actually been selling. But I can tell you that Ducati Scramblers probably sell more than Ducati Panigales. And it's partly because people see this vintage thing. They expect to have vintage times. Everyone's growing a mustache right now. I feel like it's like 1970 all over again. I remember when I was a little kid and I first moved to California, walking across the street at like 10 years old or nine years old, as you were allowed to do back in the eighties. Um, and seeing a hat that said mustache rides five cents. And I was like, tell my mom about it. And I was like, why would you ride a mustache? Uh, and then, you know, I realized when I got older what that meant, but so everyone's got a mustache. Everyone wants a vintage bike and a lot of used and vintage bikes are on the market right now. And it's cause people are looking for that nostalgia feeling and um, you're not going to get it anymore. Well, I mean, you're not to say you're not going to get it. The bikes that you're picking for it are just not practical for a lot of things other than that nostalgic feeling. And if that's what you're getting a bike for, yay. But if you're getting a bike to tour on, you better damn well pick like a bike that's going to be modern and comfortable over all else, over any feeling of nostalgia that you're trying to rekindle, any... Um, you know, stylistic look that you're trying to, uh, find, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the, uh, the, what you're looking for and what's practical are two different things nowadays. And it's very apparent where in the old days when, a, when that's all that was available, um, that's kind of what you had to do it on. Right. And that's why you got such a great feeling. Cause it was an, adv- every ride was an adventure. You never knew it was going to happen. Well, nowadays when people don't want to break down, in urban traffic or even suburban traffic or even out in the middle of nowhere nowadays, you know, uh, it's, it's hard, you know? And so when you're looking for uh, an old bike and you don't want it to break down or you do want to buy an old bike to stay, to stay kind of cool and retro and have an old hot rod or something from, you know, back in the day and it does break down. I don't, is that fun anymore? I just don't know. And on the new bikes, um, you're not going to get much further than you would have on your old bike. So that fe- what you expect out of your nostalgic feeling is just going to vary, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, so when you're buying a bike, let me know. Are you buying if are you buying it for, even if you're buying a sport bike, because you ha- your first bike was a sport bike. Um, and if you're a brand new rider, are you riding it? Are you buying something because it looks cool? And when it looks cool, what are you trying to get out of it? You know what I'm saying? And, and what bikes from the past are you looking for to make your decision currently? Um, you know, I'm just curious about all that. So I just thought on this week's show, we'd discuss the, uh, the feelings of nostalgia and the yearning f- to relive that nostalgia versus really what's going to happen and what's practical nowadays. It, there, there really are two different worlds and they don't coexist, uh, whatsoever. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more creative writing right after these messages. Pizza, no, I like it. Pizza, pizza, yum, yum, yum. Pizza, pizza, zap, zap. Uh, yeah, that pizza was good. Uh, yeah, pizza was good. Pizza, pizza, yum, yum, yum. Pizza, pizza, zap, zap. Pizza, pizza, that's how I like it. Pizza, pizza, no, I like it. Uh, yeah, that pizza was good. Uh, yeah, pizza was good. Pizza, pizza, that's how I like it. Pizza, pizza, no, I like it. Pizza, pizza, yum, yum, yum. Pizza, pizza. 
Hey there, this is patron Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions. I'm currently coming at you from Tokyo, and you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, probably because you ran out of all the other podcasts to listen to, and you really dig motorcycle haiku. Later. All right, everybody, welcome back to Creative Riding. We're going to be whapping up the flow. What happened? Me not be able to talk. All right, Tobor is back in. Tobor. Is this one of yours? Is that me? How did you get this on there? Okay. Yeah, no, you're, you're not piped up, but yeah. Okay. Well, um... What do you have to say? Yeah, I piped you up. So what about this song, dude? I like that music. All right. Okay. All right. Well, this is totally unauthorized. How did you... I didn't say these actual words. Let me hear it. Well, at least you made it nice for me, for my sake. If uh, my wife were to hear some of this, she might not mind that one, but the uh, the other one I think she would have a problem with. So let's uh, cut the music here. Tobor, we have put you in charge of the uh, the music lately. And um, yeah, I got to say, I'm not 100% sure if I'm like down or I'm scared about what's going to be coming out. Also, you weren't piped up that last time, but that's okay. We're going to get into the last uh, segment. Tobor's running the boards here. Um, at Creative Writing, we hope you are having a good, good Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, or maybe it's Tuesday and you're listening to this. Who cares? Um, hey, I wanted to put the call out right now before we get to the very, very end of the show. Uh, we've mentioned Patreon a couple times. We mentioned our patron supporters. I did want to say thank you to each and every uh, supporter that we have on Patreon. And thank you so much for all the uh, support. Without them, this show would not be possible. And, uh, you know, we are under the, the, uh, guise of the, uh, you know, and the guidance of the Moto One podcast network executives, but our patrons are the true executive producers of the show. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do any of the fun stuff we, that we do on the show and they, uh, pay for us to do hosting and all that stuff. So that includes the blog that includes the show. And so we try to put something out everywhere. So I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. Patrons, we love you all, and um, yes, if you're interested in becoming a Patreon a Patreon s- supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing, and things are about to get crazy for me, but I still owe people some things from before I left. Uh, coronavirus had me down, has, has had everybody down, and uh, a whole bunch of things that I had started um, for people, for our patrons, um, you got put on hold because like the services that I use are down. Now that everything's coming back up, things are coming back up, but I did have to take a family vacation. So, uh, I do want to say if you want to get in on some of the Patreon stuff now and become a sub- subscriber for supporter or whatever sub- supporter, I would say, uh, a donator, let's put it that way. Um, for even like a dollar, uh, we you get access to some cool stuff and you get a little sticker and a thank you and just know that you're, you're supporting in some way to some of the crazy antics on this show. Robot T zero B zero R. I know that you have something to say about all the antics going here. A couple of weeks ago, you said that people stay 
for the uh, robotic antics. I don't. I disagree with that. I'm going to be a Jack Miller and say that anybody can be funny on this show, but uh, you you do come up with some good ones now and then. So let's move into our uh, let's wrap up the show here. I don't want to go too deep on this one because it's crazy. This could literally put us at five hours, and especially if Wiggins were still here in the studio with us. Um, if you've only been listening since the uh, coronavirus, that's our former co-host Wiggins. Um, right before he and I had, uh, been socially distanced by all this stuff going on, um, we had another co-host, Jay, and she was, uh, socially distanced for other reasons, but long story short and, uh, necessary information, <laughs> necessary, we, Wiggins and I would blab. We, I would say, Hey Wiggins, look at that tire. And the next thing you know, five hours later. And I'd have to go edit. It'd take me seven days to edit down into two hours, you know, because then we'd get get to the next topic. And I don't know how many uh, SIM cards and um, like a uh, flash drives I I filled up with Wiggins blabbage. But yeah, fun guy to talk to. And uh, if he were here, this would take the off track section would take uh, take us into the, like the five hour Joe Rogan realm. But anyway. Um, as everything's failing right now, some, for some reason I'm having epic, epic network problems. So let me see if I can fix it this way. Yep, I think that fixed it. Nope, let me try and fix it again. Well, yes, there we go. So this this week's off track is going to be, uh, this is any topic, this is new for our show, by the way. Um, and like I said at the top of the show, we're entering year six. Every year or so, we like to change up the logo for the show, change up the format, do something as the show is turning a year older. So uh, I guess we're changing up the format this time. And this off track is really going to let us explore some of the stuff that we explored in the past, like I said, with Wiggins or when I start ranting on something. Um, and off track is where we purposefully go out of the motorcycle realm to talk about something sort of nutty. And so this week's off track, I'm going to talk about a guy named Harvey Washington Wiley. And uh, he's important to me because, uh, you know, as a motorcyclist, I like to eat food both pure and unpure, and impure, I guess is the right word, and non pure. Yeah, I like to eat non pure food. Um, I like my, my food like my virgins, non pure. Um, so, anyway, you, this name isn't going to ring a bell, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He was born in October of 1844. So you're going to say to yourself, what the bleepity bleep. And yes, now that we're on Sunday mornings and the kid may, kids may be around, we're not going to have any cursing on the show. Um, so you may see, what the bleepity bleep. And that's uh, what you're probably saying right now. Yeah, listen to this. And the guy died in uh, June 1930. So he almost lived, is that almost 100 years, I guess? just shy of like 80 something 86 years um so anyway yeah he lived he lived quite a quite a ways uh there and he was born i believe in indiana who cares where he was really born yeah he's born in uh yep kent indiana and what happened was he um he was a son of a farmer that's going to be my next insult. So you son of a farmer. Um, he went to college in 1863 
uh, I think like there was a civil war or something going on at that time. But anyway, he studied until he enlisted with the Union Army. Ah, there was a American Civil War. Um, anyway, he finished as a uh, corporal in the 137th Indiana Infantry Regiment, and he returned uh, to go to Indiana Medical College. I bet you didn't know there was a medical college in Indiana in 1871. And he uh, he earned his medical medical degree. He taught chemistry. Um, where he led Indiana's first laboratory course in chemistry. And then he, he went to Harvard, um, where he got a BS in 1873. Um, he accepted a faculty, faculty position uh, in the chemistry department at Purdue, which I believe is also in Indiana, and held its first class in 1874, which is the year I was born. Um, and so he was a chemist, basically. He spent his whole life as a chemist. He went to uh, Germany and studied under uh, August Wilhelm von Hoffmann. You may have heard that name several times in the motorcycling field. <laughs> no, you have never heard of it. Um, but anyway, what this guy did is he came back and um, he was a chief chemist for the United States Department of Agriculture. And this is the crazy thing. I just watched a documentary on this the other day, and I was like, wowed by this guy. So I just had to share. Um, the next time you're out and you went riding, I don't know, 50 miles for some $6 chicken strips, uh, and you don't get sick and your stomach doesn't do this on the way home to where you got the board fired up, well, uh, punchline late. The next time you're out and you eat some cheap chicken strips far away from home and your stomach does this to you or doesn't do this to you yeah on the way home baby you have uh harvey washington wiley to um to blame and harvey washington wiley as he's this chemist for the united states department of agriculture starts discovering um i don't know you think of nowadays like oh man people like screw other people over with like trying to make a buck off everything well listen to this right before the turn of the century, late 1800s, people are mixing milk. And the milk industry, like the United States, uh, according to this documentary, is one of the only countries that still has adults drinking milk. And they're like touting milk as this like natural tonic that keeps people alive till they're 117. Work for me. Um, But anyway, what they found out is that milk was being cut with water. It was being cut with like all sorts of talcum powder, um, all sorts of weird, I forget exactly when you get new milk and it was supposed to be creamy, it would be yellow a little bit and it wouldn't be pure white because, uh, natural milk before it's been processed is kind of creamy and yellow. And I think they would drop like, I don't know, formaldehyde or vinegar or something in it to make it creamy or maybe, no, that's what it was. It was, um, this is disgusting. It was like pulverized calf brains and they dripped those in there and it would turn it yellow. I'm guessing because the uh, brains are yellow and bloody maybe and it turned mixed with white milk, it turned it like this creamy, sour, yellow color. So instead of being actual cream, you're drinking milk that has like freaking borax in it or boron and it has calf brains in it, and it's got all this other... And, and the food and food industry altogether was just so jacked up. People were putting the grossest stuff in their food, and it didn't start in 1870 when this guy takes over... Let me see. He became the uh, commissioner of agriculture in 1882, uh, and he was offered the chief uh, chemist in the U.S. Department of Agriculture... 
um, like I guess in, in 1882, this is 20 years after the Civil War, right? 20-ish years. But during the Civil War, uh, people were going out and talking about the, the soldiers, the Union Army, getting fed, uh, all sorts of stuff. And they would put it in newspapers. The type of meat that these guys are getting out there, these young strapping soldiers are getting out in the field, was just rancid and disgusting and full of just like, it smelled like dead bodies, apparently. And they wouldn't eat it. And Woodrow Wilson, during the uh, Spanish-American War, same thing. Um, Maybe that's when it was. Am I thinking Civil War? I swear they said Civil War, but also probably the Spanish-American War. That one for sure. Um, And that would line up with this timeline of the uh, 1880s. So that's probably what it was, is the Spanish-American War. Scratch that Civil War crap that I said, but I'm sure people were hacking food back then as well. But um, during the Spanish-American War, our troops were down in Cuba. Teddy Roosevelt, who had become president, was a rough rider down in Cuba. Terrible. If you go listen to the dollop, I think it is, on uh, Teddy Roosevelt in Cuba, he was sounds like a total failure, but uh, depends on what side of history you're on, I guess. Um, but the, the thing is, the guys are down there with like no... Rations, if I remember the dollop uh, uh, episode correctly, very, very poor food. And this documentary uncovered the part of it. So the industry, the meatpacking industry, is canning meat. And when they're canning it, they're preserving it with formaldehyde. They're preserving it. Well, they, they got complaints that it was like rotten by the time it got down there. It sat in the warehouses for a little bit. Then it goes down and sits in the Cuban heat. And then when you open it up, it was like the cheapest cuts of meat, so they wouldn't keep as long as like the good ones. And so the whole camp just smelled like a dead body, and everyone was disgusted by it. So they went to the meatpacking factory and uh, saw that things were just terrible. And so this guy, this wily fella, remember this name and look up this documentary. I don't remember what it was called, but I'll tell you his name. It was Harvey Washington Wiley. I just saw a documentary um, <clears throat> regarding the Food and Drug Administration, and oh, you're thinking, hey, 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 a documentary about the Food and Drug Administration that sounds about as interesting as that documentary on toenail fungus that I watched the other day, but it actually turned out to be pretty crazy because you, you never realize, like at the turn of the century, how oh, we got to edit that word out, how lame the um food and, and uh, beverage industry was just nickeling and diming people to their deaths to save a buck for them. So anyways, this guy becomes one of the most hated men in uh, American agriculture, I guess. And um, it's almost like, uh, you know, people were just uh, infuriated with him. Um, let me see. He, yes, I forget exactly but what, what happened to him. Um, as far as these things go, but it started the whole thing, um, with like the, uh, Upton Sinclair writing the, the concrete jungle. Is that what it was called? Uh, where he goes to the meat packing yards and he sees, you know, and, and Roosevelt went down to these things too and saw where, uh, he was getting, he, he, to see if he was lying, you know, a couple presidents, I think went down there to see if he was lying over the you know, the course of his term at the, uh, in, in the government there. And they absolutely saw men peeing, uh, well, there's latrines, there, open latrines. The cows would fall into them or, uh, yeah, I think at one particular place, the cow fell into there and they just picked the cow back up and threw it back on the hooks and <laughs> butchered it after it'd fallen in the latrine. Uh, rats were 
falling into the old, uh, what's it called? The uh, grind meat grinders. And so when you hear nowadays that like, and people actually people's fingers were getting chopped off. Like these guys were making such a buck, uh, processing this meat that they would accidentally, you know, slip and hack a finger off and you'd get a finger in your sausage. So all those old stories have some basis. None of them are true nowadays because everything is like usually mechanically rendered. You don't have the same sort of stuff happening once, once in a great while. But that's why there's no rats popping up in soup cans. I mean, if you hear somebody say that, usually it's a myth. Um, because this guy, even at the turn of the century, uh, basically had, what's it called? Um, started regulations against that sort of stuff. So you're going to have to go watch this documentary and uh, check this guy out. He was a true, awesome hero, and he uncovered a lot of things, <clears throat> both in food and drugs. So you just think about that and the fight that we're fighting today with like the opioids and all that great jazz. So, yeah. All right, we're getting toward the end of the show here. We're going to wrap it up with another segment. Uh, this one's called Junkies Tips. Do we have any music for this one? That is awful music, Tobor, but thank you. All right, so this is Junkie's Tips. This is just where I give you a quick little tip, something that's going on in my life or something I think maybe you could use help with on maintenance and so on and so forth. And this week's tip, based on a cool tool that I got, I got this really cool tool from um, a family member that passed away uh, just at the end of last year. And uh, I was going through some of the property. Hello, hello. I was going through some of the property that uh, somebody had recovered from them and they horked a whole bunch of tools and they said, hey, look at this. This is uh, awesome stuff, right? And I was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. This is old, kind of old stuff that I wouldn't have expected this old guy to use. Um, So basically what I got is a ratcheting. It's it's like a ratchet. and it's like one of those little driver style ratchets. So the weird thing is, instead of being a, uh, how would I put it? Instead of being like a ratcheting screwdriver, or instead of being actually like a ratchet that goes like on the end of a socket, this thing is like a little handle, and you basically um, you basically hold it, and you. Uh, can store tools in the handle. It's like a fat handle, and it's 90 degrees. So it is like a ratchet. Ratchets are 90 degrees too, but this thing, you could, it already has like a little driver tip in it where you can put, um, you know, a screwdriver tip in. You can put any one of those type of uh, things that has a, uh, uh, you know, might have a star drive. It might have a uh, socket that goes on the end of it. It might have a screwdriver tip. It's just one of those like versatile uh, tip things. But the great thing that I love about it is that the big fat handle on it and it's ratcheting. There's two things I love about that. So the great, the big handle is threaded on the end and hollow inside. So I was able to take this little container of uh, bit ends that I've had in my toolbox forever and uh, just kind of taking up space in my top drawer. And I was able to take all those little bits. They were already just sitting in one place anyway. If I lost that container, I lost them all. So I put them in the handle of this tool. Now if I lose this tool, I lose them all, but I was going to lose them all anyway. And it's better than taking one out and like not needing it and coming back to get another one. It's like I have them all there in the handle. I just got to dump them in my hand before I, before I peek at it. So I love this tool. And uh, yeah, my, my 
my tip this week would be to go out and get a tool that you need. Do you need to do fork seals? Um, this thing kind of has allowed me to do lots of new kind of cool things a little bit faster. And so do you have a tool, do you have something that you need to do? Like I say, fork seals, do you need to do like, I don't know, uh, what would require a special tool? Well, like brakes, like bleeding your brakes or something like that. It's something as easy as bleeding the brakes and adjusting the, uh, the calipers. Do you need to do something like that? I highly... Uh, this is a very special tool made for specialty applications, and I can tell that it's going to help me in a GIF because it doesn't have the long handle of a ratchet. Even even little ratchets have long handles, and then you can get little stubby ratchets, but sometimes there's no leverage on there. With this thing, I have this. The grip is huge. It's like a it's like a inch around, right? So it's like big and gr firm. You can get a, you can get your whole paw on there and generate some torque on that thing to break stuff loose without having to have a huge long ratchet handle to do it. So it fits in small spaces. It's a 90 degree, so I don't have to be up and down like a screwdriver. Um, and I don't have that long handle sticking out of a ratchet where I can't get into tight spaces. Um, I love it. And so go out and get yourself a specialty tool. I have a brake bleeder tool. I have to say best uh, investment I've made. Even though I don't use it frequently, when I do use it and I can use it on multiple machines, it is boss, baby. And it is so nice to be able to do a one-man job with one man so or one, one woman. Whatever you consider me is, is uh, your decision. But if you're a woman and you're using it um, or a man, it just takes one of whatever you are. So, yeah, my, my, my tip this week is go invest in a tool that you've always wanted or you've always needed and you've always just got by with doing something else, going the long way, using a socket to drive in seals or something like that. Go get a seal driver or go get like a driver set that actually has those in because you may find that it comes with something, a bonus tool that you can pull stuff out with or some, some weird thing that you can use for something else until you can go get that tool. So that would be... Uh, my junkies tip for this week, go get a cool new tool, new tool, whether it's brand new or new to you, and uh, share it with us on our Facebook page, creative-writing, uh, no, facebook.com forward slash creative writing podcast. That's what it is, all one uh, word. So we are at the end of the show, folks. It's about time. I would like to say... Thank you to our Patreon subscribers again, and uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in this week. We will be back. We're on Sundays now, for the time being at least, until rating season is over. They put us with the old grandmas and grandpas out there on the old, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, Sunday morning show. Um, hey, if you are in the Los Angeles area, check out, there's two sites I want you to check out. Uh, both of them have websites, but some of them also have Instagram. I want you to check out California underscore motorcycle under, or CA uh, underscore motorcycle underscore community on Instagram and Facebook. They have literally daily stuff happening here in SoCal. And uh, I think you should check that out and um, keep your eyes peeled if you're in the California area. If you are in the Ohio area, <clears throat> check out Noble Moto and Skidmark Garage. They always have some cool stuff coming up. They just did a ride. They've always got classes going on, and they're trying to keep this thing going. Um, they are not locked down. They're doing social distancing and PPE practicing, and they're continuing to support the community in a very meaningful way for motorcyclists. Um, Sturgis is happening 
this coming week. Let me see. Whenever you hear this, it might be happening. It's coming up. It's from the 8th to the 14th or the 8th to the 16th. I can't remember, but it's coming up soon. So the 80th Sturgis is happening this year. What a year to have it. It will certainly be memorable, not only for being the 80th, but also taking place during a pandemic. Uh, I recommend you get a shirt. Hell, get a shirt from a lot of places this year because this year it's going to go down in history um, and be very memorable, just like the like Great Depression, the Civil Rights Movement, the Spanish Flu, Vietnam, like uh, World D Day, you know, and V Day during World War II, and the you know, uh, it's going to be one of those years. I can already tell you that much. Um, in in like a fifty years from now, a hundred years from now, they are going to remember, it, and you can bequeath this twenty twenty Sturgis shirt down to the motorcyclists that are coming up in your life. Um, also on the 8th and 9th of August is the Rodada Moto Clásica Racing. This is going to be in, I can't read this Spanish very well. My Spanish is so down the drain. God dang it. Uh, one day is 50 euros. Two days is 90 euros. Um, and more is 15 euros. I'm guessing that's uh, added euros any anyways this is the uh, rodado moto classic racing um circuit and it's happening i think in uh okay so this is what it is three bike groups that's what it is so saturday they're going from 10 p.m to 20 p.m on sunday and 10 p.m to 19 p.m two days um so yeah take that for what it's worth if you'd like to find out uh, reservations You can go uh, look up Moto Classic Racing on Instagram or you can call 762-43-4006. And uh, I'm not 100% sure where this is going to be. But also you can contact um, contact uh, Paco Villaverde on um, Instagram. And that's how I found out about it. Also, uh, coming up next year, I know this is kind of crazy to say next year, but... There's going to be a new race uh, for the uh, competing with the Isle of Man. And so that's going to be interesting. Um, we'll talk more about that on an upcoming show. And in, anyways, I'm out. I think I, I had a couple things coming up. Oh, uh, Arma. Uh, the Cal VMX, which is the vintage motocross, is having an Arma race, I think, this weekend at uh, Glen Helen. And other than that, keep your eyes open, your ears peeled for MotoGP and flat track and all the uh, wonderful race series that you love. And if you have a, um, if you have an event, let us know. Creative writing, uh, creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Before we leave, I have one call to action to make, and this is it. Please, if you need to contact the show, hit us up. Creative writing podcast at gmail.com or You can hit us up on Facebook, Creative Writing Podcast, and also Instagram, Creative Writing Podcast. We need, we are closing out our requests for writers. If you gave up writing or you know someone that did give up writing, please uh, call um, our, our uh, voicemail at 740-563-2858. Throw us an email. Um, hit us up, like I said, on one of the socials and let us know. Did somebody you know or did you give up writing or start to get into it but then give it up because it seemed too scary, uh, too expensive? You had a relative talk you out of it and call it a murder cycle 
what happened uh, that got you or your friend or relative or whoever out of writing? Um, what scared them off? Did they try it, not like it? You know, what's the story on that? We're going to be closing requests for this soon, and I hope to be contacting the people that have contacted us um, pretty soon about this. And so, uh, yeah, give us, please hit us up and uh, share your story because we really want to get out there. We're going to be trying to contact people and conduct some uh, over-the-phone interviews regarding this topic. So this is last call, last call for this uh, topic before we start actually uh, collaborating with people. So if you know somebody, reach out to us. As usual, you can always check us out on the socials, uh, Creative Writing Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, as well as Creative underscore Writer on Twitter and Creative Dash Writing on Tumblr, if anybody's still doing that. And uh, we just watch TikToks, but we don't do them. Same with Reddit. Uh, You can check us out on Reddit. But uh, we don't have a – we just watch – we just look at Reddit just like you do. We don't have a – Redditor page, but we'll be out there somewhere in the ethernets and the internets and in person if you can catch us and find us. Um, stay tuned uh, for another episode. We'll be talking more about the uh, Moto Festival. If you're at uh, Sturgis this week, I believe there's the Black Hills Motorcycle Film Festival. Tobor talked us to, to us about that last week, so uh, go check that out if you can. And go to RevSisters.com for more information on all that great stuff. And we'll we'll talk to you later. Talk to you next week, creative writers. You'll hear us in your eardrums before you want to. Uh Uh-huh.